The following is paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we discuss should be considered as investment advice. This conversation is for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions. Welcome to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. I'm your host, Jeff Orvitz. This week, we'll discuss navigating the political questions when it comes to investing. What's been one of the best investments in your career? Plus, we'll go over different types of retirement plans that are available. Glenn Least is a senior investment advisor with WT Wealth Management. You can learn more about Glenn by going to WTWealthManagement.com or by giving a call at 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. All right, so Glenn, it's... uh it's political season. Uh, you know, you're going to hear all yeah. the ads, you see everything that's happening. And this person says this and the other thing, I get, I guess, how do you navigate the political questions and, and especially in the investment process? I know you, you try not to bring mm-hmm. politics into all this stuff, but it can have a, an impact. Yeah. So I, I tell my clients that they pay me for my economic opinions, not necessarily my political ones. And so at the end of the day, my main job is to help them, uh, grow their investments, right? And so uh, I'm not trying to alienate any person. I always try and stay neutral on things, but there are circumstances where an elected official maybe comes out with a policy that does affect the economics uh, of things. So I do have to stay abroad of what's going on as far as policy wise um, and how that may affect certain sectors or uh, growth of the you know economy. One example would be, um, you know, what happens if in six months they said no more oil at all. Like yeah. you have to use everything electronic. Well, carbon neutral. Carbon Coming neutral. Up. Say that was a policy that came out. Well, oil, you know, is going to get hammered and, you know, lithium ion is going to go through the roof. So as a firm, we do have to, and that's just a, a you know, kind of a off the wall example, but uh, we do have to stay abroad of what the policies are and how they affect uh, investments and what's going on in our world. And if clients ever want to know my personal opinion, I can always give them to them. It's not like I'm afraid to, but at the end of the day, that's not what they're paying me for. They're paying me to make the money and do well for them. And, and I, I respect people of all different walks of life, wherever they come from. And, and if they have an opinion one way, I'll respect that opinion. And uh, at the end of the day, my, they're, they're the boss. So I, I'm, I'm there to work for them and help them be successful. So it's, it, but it is challenging for sure, especially in the political environment, because, um, you know, policies do have an effect on uh, what's going on, especially we're seeing this in the inflation realm, uh, printing a bunch of money. And having supply chain issues is affecting uh, everything as far as pricing. So we're, we're feeling it. So it's in today's world, politics can be so div- divisive at times. Um, and I've never liked that. Um, you know, I've, some of the, like, my closest people in my life have very different opinions than me, mm-hmm. but we, we respect each other and we don't have to agree, but we at least know where each person's coming from. And I think that's, I don't, I don't know why that's missing so much in America is why you can't have a different thought process or opinion with someone and still be friends with them. So, But you feel like it's, as, as an advisor, you want to tell people, hey, here's the reality of oh, the yeah, situation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Here's the policy that's mm-hmm. being implemented whatever it is, X, Y, Z. And and you want to fill them in and say, Uh here's some decisions you need to make regarding that policy that's probably coming. Oh yeah. That's a, that's a conversation we have all the time is, is here's the policy and here's what we think the economic impact is. And here's the decisions that we need to make. And one of the decisions that a lot of our, my clients that we're, we're having the discussion on is, 
interest rates are, are, are starting to rise and they're still not very attractive as far as bond returns. And so if someone's trying to keep pace with inflation, they're kind of in this bind where inflation's maybe at six and seven percent and bond returns are maybe at three, three and a half percent. And so if you're a bond investor in 2021, you're probably somewhat disappointed with bonds. And so we've been talking about Although maybe we don't want to take on more risk by being in the stock market because January was not a, a fun month for anyone. Sometimes that's the hard reality of if we want to keep pace with inflation, we do need to look at having more uh, yielding uh, instruments in our portfolios. And stocks would be a great one, real estate um, and some other assets. But we have to have those conversations. And uh and that's just the reality of the policies. I mean, the policies are they're printing a bunch more money and interest rates are going to take a while to get back up to where they are. And so that's a great example of let's talk about that. And in that whole conversation, there's nothing about one side or the other or one political party or the other. It's just here's the policy. Here's reality. Here's, here's reality yeah. And here's what we need to do to uh, address it. Well, when, when you're having those conversations, Glenn, um, especially I mean, you just talked about bonds and if, if, in, if inflation's at seven and your bonds at three, well, you're having a, a problem there. Yeah. It's really negative. Uh-huh. So do people come to you and say, Hey, um, yeah, I want to look at us stocks, but I also want to look at international stocks and oh, maybe that emerging market is going to be uh, mining the lithium for some of these things coming out or whatever. Yeah. Um, how do you talk about their returns versus their risk levels? And maybe you can classify each one. I mean, obviously we know the U S market, but international, but then there's emerging markets. I mean, how do you define all of that when, when, when people bring this to you? Yeah, yeah. So when people hear the word stocks, it can mean a whole lot of different things. You know, So stocks can mean to one person, oh, Amazon stock. And stocks to another person can mean some bio biotechnical company that's you know having some you know really high risk and stocks can also mean something international so the difference between the three categories when you're talking about them so u.s stocks are going to be everything that's domestic you know so these are all companies that are based in the united states but they do business maybe overseas or internationally so a good example might be uh microsoft i think about 60 percent of their revenues derived overseas but they're a u.s based company so those are going to be a domestic stock and that's just purely location, not anything about size. And then international stocks are going to be companies that are based outside of the U.S., but they're going to be in developed nations. So these are going to be like your Samsung, LG, Volkswagen, BMW, uh, Dove, uh, you know, all the, the large companies that we probably use on a daily basis, but that aren't based in the U.S., um, and then when you talk about, you know, and a lot of those are going to be European, you know, developed nations, um, as far as international emerging markets, those are going to be more of your up and coming nations. Um, so we call those, uh, sometimes the brick countries. So like your Russia, China, South Pacific, Asia, um, and those companies, um, inherently have a lot more, uh, growth potential, but a lot more risk. And so when you compare the, the three different categories of us, international and emerging markets, they all have their pros and cons, right? So uh, U.S. stocks tend to be less uh, risky, um, but less return potential. International stocks, a little bit more return potential, but a little bit more risk. And then you look at emerging markets, you know, a lot more risk and a lot more earning potential. Um, And emerging markets, um, interesting thing with those is you could be talking about, say it's like a 
some Brazilian telecommunication startup company, yeah, you could have great returns, but you could, you know, absolutely just get hammered as far as return, you know, uh, your investments go. So international and emerging markets definitely carry a lot more risk with them. And so we always just want to balance that out with how much risk are we wanting in our portfolio. So a lot of times if we're building an all stock portfolio for some of our more aggressive clients, we may have something like 60%, 65% domestic, maybe 30, 25%, 30% international, and then maybe 5 to 10% emerging. Um, so emerging definitely has a lot more you know, risk potential, especially if you're talking about um, China-based companies. Those have a lot more risk because there's so many things with that that are hard to quantify, um, such as what's the local government and how do their policies affect that particular you know, company or their economy. Um, you know, the, the China is an interesting scenario because they, uh, their government and their private industry are almost one and the same. And so if they come out with a policy that they think is best for their nation, it could, you know, impact the, uh, their companies pretty significantly. Like, so a good example is, um, a couple months back, they made some changes to just even how companies operate that are after school tutoring companies. And they basically said, okay, you can no longer have a, you know, after-school tutoring company for profit after this date. Uh, and they have to be non-profit because we think that that is not a good thing for our citizens. And uh, whether that's the case or not, whether you and I believe in that is, is one thing, is a whole different story. But it impacted that industry pretty significantly. And most of those stocks were down 70 and 80% almost overnight. So um, so definitely when you look at each of the categories, you also have to look at what country, you know, are they coming out of and what are their stability or, or instability? And, you know, can there be policies that, you know, dra- dramatically affect them? Um, and even when we talk about the um, European countries, a lot of them are, you know, pretty closely tied into the, the EU and if the EU comes out with a policy, it can affect that country too. So there's a lot of a lot of things that happen, you know, behind the scenes when when we look at the different companies and the different stocks and the different um, allocations. And um, it's always helpful if we compare apples to apples. So if someone says, "Oh, I've got an all stock portfolio," the follow up question is, "Well, what kind of stocks? What stocks? Yeah, what yeah. stocks? Are you talking large company stocks, small company, international, emerging?" Because if you said, oh, my stock portfolio did 15%, okay, that's great. You know, was it in international or emerging markets or was it in domestic? So, you know, we want to make sure that we're educating our clients and uh, we know uh, what we're investing in and the inherent risks and volatility with those particular investments. So that's something that, you know, as I talk to my clients, one of my main things that I do is trying to educate them. So that way they, they, they know enough about the investing process to really feel comfortable and know what they have in their portfolio and, and, and know the, the pros and cons of what they're, they're investing in. We're talking with Glenn Least of WT Wealth Management. Give Glenn a call at 928-225-2474. There's no obligation. That's 928-225-2474. Or you can visit Glenn by going to WTWealthManagement.com. All right, let's uh, talk, Glenn, about retirement accounts in more detail. I I know we've done this in the past, uh, but what's the difference between a company-sponsored retirement plan and your own individual retirement plan? Uh, So when you talk about retirement plans, there's really two main offshoots of them. One is... Uh, a retirement plan that's through your employer. So like employer sponsored plan. And the other would be a, uh, just your own individual plan. Um, and a lot of times you can have both concurrently, but you can only have a company sponsored plan if you actually work for that company. Mm-hmm. Um, so the company sponsored plans, well, maybe we'll start there first. Um, you know, the different subdivisions of those are going to be like your simple IRA, SEP IRA, 401k, 
profit sharing, ESOP or ASOP, and then a pension plan. So those are kind of like the the different. Uh, yeah, there's quite a That's few. A lot, of them. Yeah. We can talk about we can talk <laughs> about all of them. Um, but but really, the main difference between your company and your non-company retirement plan is is whether or not you're working for that company. And a lot of times the company sponsored plans allow higher contributions for you as the employee. And it also allows your employer to contribute on your behalf as well. So those are the main uh, differences between the two. Um, And a lot of people don't know that you can have both concurrently, like you could have your own retirement plan on your own, which is like a traditional IRA or a Roth IRA plus you know, plus the company, plus, plus the company one, okay. and you can stack them a lot of times depending on your tax situation, where you can have both the best of both worlds. Um, so when we talk about retirement plans, those are basically the two main offshoots, and then we can talk a little bit more about each of those individual uh, company sponsored plans. Do you find with the company plans though, because people work, um, they they move around a little more mm-hmm. now, nowadays. Sure. You're able to transfer those, right? Yeah, Just to yeah, yeah. Talk about that real quick again. So if you have a company sponsored retirement plan, once you leave that company, usually you're, you have three different options for what you can do with that, those monies. Cause they're your monies. Um, sometimes if your employer puts in money for you, they may have like a vesting schedule where they say, okay, if you've been with the company for less than a certain amount of years, you only get to keep X amount of the money that we put in, but any money you put in is always yours. Any of the growth in your money is always yours. And then the company that puts money in, usually you're eligible for most of it, um, depending on their vesting schedule. So the, the really the three main options are one is you can keep the money at the old employer. Uh, there's obviously downsides to that because you're probably not getting the same service. You're not going to be able to contribute anymore, but you could just leave it, you know, leave the old 401k plan or retirement plan where it's at. Second one is you can roll it into your own retirement plan. Uh, meaning say you've got your own IRA or Roth that you want to move the, uh, company plan into your personal plan. That's option two. And the third one, uh, actually there's four. And and I think about it. The third one is, um, moving into your new employer plan. Uh, so if your new employer offers a 401k or simple or SEP or whatever, a lot of times you can move your old account into the new one. Um, and the last option is, uh, usually the last, the, the, the least favorable option, which is, uh, do a distribution, meaning you take the funds out as cash. Uh, and that if you're under the age of 59 and a half has all sorts of early withdrawal penalties and income tax. So that's usually not the best scenario, um, unless you need the cash and then obviously you, you pay the, the penalties, but those are usually what happens when people have old plans of their four options is, um, you know, leave it where it's at, move it into your own plan, move it into your new retirement plan or cash it out. All right, Glenn, let's uh, wrap things up with kind of looking at these individual or, or the different types of retirement plans. And I think the first one you have listed here is the, the simple IRA. How does that work? Sure. So the simple IRA <clears throat> allows the employer to put money in on your behalf, and then you're also able to put money in on your behalf. So there's both the employee and the employer contributions. Um, the nice thing with the simple IRA, there's there's no ongoing employer cost to manage the actual plan, meaning to set up the simple IRA, you don't have to file anything with um, the IRS or the DOL as far as like a 5,500 or tax return. You just, you know, file it, uh, you know, on your individual taxes. So there's a little less cost to set it up. Obviously, you have to pay for the investment help, that sort of thing, but there's no additional plan cost. Um, and that one, I believe right now, um, 13.5 is what you can put in. 
Um, plus if you're over the age of 50, you can add some additional money in. that's for your contribution as the employee. And then the employer can either do 2% or 3% depending on how they have the plan set up. So that's kind of the simple IRA allows for both your contributions and the employer contributions. And they're, uh, most of the time pre-tax, meaning any money you put in there reduces your taxable income. But then, you know, when you're in retirement, you just pay ordinary income tax, uh, on whatever your, you know, simple IRA grows to. Um, the simple does have some, uh, requirements. Most people don't know that you have to have the plan set up for two years before you can move out of the plan. So that is one of the big drawbacks. Most people, if they do a simple IRA and say they only work for the company for a year and then want to move their simple into a traditional IRA, they'd have to wait an additional year, meaning the the simple IRA would have to be open for at least two years before they can move it into a non-simple plan, but they can move it into another simple. That's different, but moving it into like a non-simple plan, uh, you have to wait two years. So that is the one downfall. So even simple plans have some complexity. Uh Yeah. yeah, Um, They're they're never that simple. Yeah. Yeah. So now the other one that you have is the SEP SEP IRA. IRA. Simplified Employee Pension is what it stands for. That one only allows for employer contributions, meaning you can't put in any money as an employee. It's only the employer. That's most of the time how they're set up. And that one, they could do a little bit more as far as the contribution max. Um, it's usually right around 25% of the salary, plus or minus a little bit. But uh, so say you had a $100,000 salary, this the SEP would allow you put put in as an employer right around $25,000. Um, so that one's a decent plan. Same thing with the simple. There's no filing requirements with the, the Department of Labor or the uh, ERISA, that sort of thing. You just uh, file your normal individual taxes. Um and there's no cost to set it up. So that is nice. Um, but the downside is you can't put any money in as an employee. That is definitely a drawback. Um, only the employer can contribute. So sometimes you see the SEPs, SEP IRAs are probably more common with the self, uh, self-employed uh, okay. people. So people that don't have multiple employees are probably the most commonly used. Because if you're, if you're offering a plan to your employees, you want to be able to have them contribute as well. So the SEP isn't as common in that aspect. And is that where the 401k comes in? Yep. That's yep. the next so one. So the 401k is the, the next tier. That one allows for both the employee and the employer to contribute. It's a lot more complex, uh, meaning uh, you do have to pay a third-party administrator every year as far as filing the 5500 and making sure the plan is compliant with uh, ERISA requirements. Um, so there's a little bit of a cost on that aspect, but you have a tremendous amount of flexibility with how the plan can be set up, uh, meaning uh, you can put in money as an employee and the contribution limits are much higher. Um, I believe they're, they're 19,500 for 2021. Uh, and then you can put in an additional, uh, I believe it's, uh, 6,500 if you're over the age of 50. So that allows you to put in like 26,000. Um, and so that, that, that's a tremendous benefit as the employee. Um, plus the employer can put money on your behalf. Um, the employer can put in, a lot of times they'll do like a matching amount, like up a dollar for dollar in the first 3% and then 50% after, you know, uh, up to 5%. That's most common. Um, but then they also can do like a profit sharing on top of that. So a lot of times the 401k plans offer a lot more flexibility mm-hmm. for the employer uh, as far as what they can offer to their employees. Uh, as far as the plan goes, they can do a Roth or non-Roth component to it, which is nice. Uh, so if people are wanting to save uh, post-tax uh, in the retirement account, the 401k offers some flexibility there. And then, like I said, offering that profit sharing component is really nice too. So if the company does well, they can uh, 
offered to give an additional contribution uh, to the employees uh, each year as a, as an employer contribution. So there's a lot more flexibility in those, um, and so that's that's the definite uh, benefit of a 401k plan. And that's why people should probably just call because I'm looking right, at yeah. the list here. We've got Simple, we've got SEP, we've got 401k, we've got ESOP, profit sharing, pensions, yep. all of that. All I bunch mean, of them, yeah. yeah, there can be a bunch of them. So. You just, you really got to tailor it to yep, individual yep. needs. Yeah. And that's, you know, I do all of them and quite a few. Um, and w- w- one of the best things, you know, if people have questions on that is to contact us to say, Hey, this is what I'm looking at doing. Here's where my business is at. What's the best plan for us now? And we can always scale up, you know, as time goes on. So maybe you start off with a, the simple IRA plan, but then over the years you want to graduate to a 401k, we can always do all that and, and help navigate to, to find out what's the best fit for your business. So definitely it's a, a confusing world out there when it comes to retirement plans. And there's, you know, we could probably do a whole nother show on it, but uh, best thing is for people to give us a call and we can help navigate those waters for them. When you work with Glenn Least, his investment committee leverages over a century of combined experience to grow your money, not your fees. And they invest their personal savings the same exact way that they invest your money. Call Glenn Lease for a complimentary consultation at 928-225-2474. There's no obligation. Just call 928-225-2474. Or you can go to WTWealthManagement.com. And don't forget to tune in next week at this same time for another edition of Intelligent Investing on 97.1 The Big Talker. We'll see you soon.